0: Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. So we're going to just jump right into, into our message very quickly this morning. How many of you enjoyed the smoke this week? How many of that was your favorite part of the week? Did anyone get anxious about that? I know we were talking about that when we were praying pre-service. People were just starting to feel anxious, like it was starting to feel almost like a little bit of a lockdown again, like you didn't want to go outdoors at all. But I hope everyone is okay. Uh, You did not experience any complications from that. Um, So what we're doing here in, in the month of June is we just ended this Big study of, of through the book of Mark that we've been doing since January, uh, talking about different themes there, and, and so what we're doing here for a few weeks in June—last week, this week, and next week—we've uh, just been taking some time to refocus refocus about just to remind ourselves who we are as a community, uh, who we are as a church, what we feel God's calling us to, and just some key things that have been themes coming up over this last year that we wanted to highlight again. So last week, I I talked to you about becoming a committed community and and our call to be a committed community and some of the enemies to creating that kind of community uh, that we need to be mindful of. If we're going to Be a people that learn how to belong to Jesus and belong together well. And this morning, I want to invite us to to refocus uh, in the area of mission. Why is mission important? Uh, Why are we talking about mission when it comes to refocus? One of the last things that Jesus said before he went back to the Father was he said, I want you to wait here. Until the Holy Spirit comes to you. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And basically what Jesus is saying, if you're not familiar with where those places are, Jesus is saying you're going to be my disciples and my witnesses to my good news. Right here in your own backyard, to the region and the town and the county around you. And as far as you can go from this place to every ethnic group, tribe, culture, tongue, language around the world, you're going to be my witnesses. And the Holy Spirit's going to empower you to do that. Um, but I don't know uh, how, how you feel about this, but uh, something about that statement uh, can make me feel uncomfortable. Uh, now, on one level, how many of you have moved a lot in your life? You, you've traveled around a lot you, didn't, you weren't sedentary too much you moved how many of you moved more than five times in your life more than five times how many of you moved more than 10 times in your life are bill and i the only ones bill and i the only ones 10 times how many of you no more than 15 bill Close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Close. He he moved because of the military. I moved because my dad was pastoring different churches uh, all over the country. But so I kind of like get comfortable. I've gotten kind of comfortable with change, moving to new locations, being in a new place. But a lot of times, like my wife, uh, she grew up in the same house up until we got married. Like she went away to college for four years. She's done a lot of traveling and stuff. And, but like her first time moving was when we got married and we moved into our apartment. And, and I'm just thinking, like, I'm just moving into a new place again for, like, the umpteenth time. And 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 she's, like, trying to wrap her head around what it means to move. And, and so everyone's got a different kind of range of experiences. that. So, So when I hear something like, you're going to be my witnesses right here in your neighborhood, a little bit further away, maybe you could get there and come back. But then we're talking about going places that, especially in that day and age, like, if you were going to go there, you weren't coming back. The early uh, missionaries in our de- our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance, do you know when they were called to go overseas, uh, some of the first mission fields were in Palestine, Israel, uh, some in the uh, uh, western coast of Africa, uh, and, and to, to China and Southeast Asia were some of the earliest mission fields the alliance went to. And the alliance workers back in the early, like late 1800s, early 1900s, they would, instead of taking like a shipping container, like one of those big, trunks that they would use back in days of yore. Um, instead of taking one of those big trunks with all their belongings, they would pack their belongings in their coffin because they knew this was a one-way trip. So, I mean, we live in a very different world because you can go to the ends of the earth and be back in three days. They couldn't do that back then. So, so, But, but either way, when you've got to go far away, there can be a little bit of discomfort it's exciting at first but if you've got to kind of like pick yourself up and move to a new place and start telling people about jesus or be his witness that sounds a little does that make anyone else uncomfortable how many of you like your routine are you routine people you're like i'm good don't change a thing and, and and so here's the thing about mission. This is what I'm trying to get at is Jesus's call in the scripture to be on mission with him, to be witnesses. Even if you don't go to the ends of the earth, you're just on mission right here in your neighborhood. Jesus's call is very disruptive because we like our routine. I don't want anyone else to impinge on my routine. Do you like people impinging on your routine? No, I don't like it. You can, you could admit it. Don't lie. I know. I know, I don't like it either. I don't like it either. Um, but but what we believe as a, as a movement, as a church, just as Christians, is that God is on mission. The Holy Spirit is at work moving on people's hearts in neighborhoods and in nations around the world. And he's moving on people's hearts and he's tugging on people's hearts. He's got people that are just drawn to seek him, but they're not quite sure what to do. The apostle Paul said when he was in, in Athens in the book of Acts, he was saying every single person is in the place they were meant to be. The, the exact time and date that they lived there was, was intentional, Paul says to the, to the Athenians. And he says they're there because God's moving on people's hearts in that time so that they might know him. And so people live in West Milford in 2023, next door to you on purpose. You follow me? You follow me? Okay. People work in the cubicle next to you on purpose. Not your purpose or their purpose, but God's purpose. God ordained and and appointed the times and the seasons and the years and the geographic locations that people would live so that some of them might meet Jesus. So think about your neighbors near you. Think about the people working in the cubicles next to you. Think about the other students at the desks in the classroom around you. They're not there on accident and neither are you. You're there and they're there so they might meet Jesus. But it's going to require you and I to allow the Holy Spirit to disrupt our routine. I worked before I was full time in ministry. I worked in a desk and a cubicle, and quite honestly, it was much easier for my day if I didn't talk to the person next to me. Anyone else know what I'm talking about? Amen. Yeah. It it could be much easier but it wasn't really a faithful witness. Now, I'm not saying I had to be there telling them the whole gospel and spiritual laws and say, hey, do you, do you know God? Are you are you going to heaven? Like, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I, but I'm talking about things like what, uh, being a non-anxious presence. I'm talking about things like really being loving when everyone else in the office can't stand that person. I, I'm, I'm talking about Doing things in a way as everything you're doing in your work, for example, is done unto the Lord. So so what I want to talk about this morning with you and all of us is is just unpack what does it mean to be uh, on intentional mission. What does it look like when we let the Holy Spirit disrupt the regular flow of our day, our week, our month? And reorient us to being on mission with Jesus. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what this looks like. Uh, So we're going to read a story from John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. It's long, but it's one kind of whole story. I found it really hard to chop this up. But... um, I, I, you might be familiar with this story, and I hopefully it's helpful as we look at Jesus as, as an example of intentional mission. So let's read this. It'll be on the screen for you as well. John chapter 4, verses 1 through 30. It says this. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. So he's going from the south all the way up to the north, just so you understand which direction he's headed. He had to go, verse 4, through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman, why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons And his animals enjoyed. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Let's pray. Jesus, there is so much to unpack from this conversation you had with this woman. But I I just pray and ask right now that um, you would use this uh, to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand and know what you are doing in us and through us in our neighborhoods and around the world. And I pray, Lord, that we would get your heart for people who do not know you in the way that you did it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Jesus here, here's the thing about Jesus. He's just really good at things. I'm just gonna state the obvious. Jesus is so much better at everything. Uh, And and we can attribute that to, of course, because he's God, of course he's better. But remember, we've talked about this before. What Jesus did on earth, yes, fully God, but, but he didn't consider, as Philippians 2 said, equality with God, something to be grasped. He did what he did on earth through his Holy Spirit empowered humanity. So basically think about it as this, Jesus is fully God, but he is showing us how to do humanity perfectly. Through the empowerment of the Spirit, perfect Perfect in wisdom, perfect in knowing how God's wanting us to, to act in different situations. And, and so, and we see here something incredible because he, he goes to this woman and has an, a highly emotionally intelligent conversation with her. She doesn't leave feeling shamed, judged, accused, but she definitely leaves feeling convicted, but also empowered and delighted to walk in a new way. Isn't that interesting? It's it's just a totally different way, I think, of talking to people about the good news of Jesus. And so there's just a few things about intentionally being on mission that I think we can learn from Jesus in this passage that I, I wanna share with you. And the first one is this. Jesus, when he's intentional on mission, he has intentional behavior, intentional behavior. What do I mean by this? Verse four is stunning. John lied when he wrote this in verse four. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Um, Here's the thing, as, as, as you see, as we read a little later, Jews and Samaritans do not get along. They did not get along. Uh, they, the Jews looked at the Samaritans as uh, inbred. They had far more derogatory terms that they would label them with. They looked at them as uh, kind of half-breed, kind of they don't really know God, and, and they meant that both religiously but also, also ethnically, uh, the way they would refer to them. Uh, there was a lot of prejudice uh, against them. There, there, it was a very, very messy situation. Uh, in, in terms of how they related to each other, the Jews uh, tended to have a lot more power and influence. And uh, they had gotten in with kind of the Roman establishment. And, and so they really laid it on thick to the Samaritans. This was not a good relationship. Um, and, and And so when John writes he had to go through Samaria... He lied because no self-respecting Jew, especially a Jewish rabbi, would go through Samaria to get from Judea to Galilee. I don't have a map, but if you can picture Judea down here in the south, the most direct route to go is straight on this main highway right through Samaria into Galilee. The Romans would take it all the time. They didn't care. They, they would go back and forth. But no self-respecting Drew, Jew would go through Samaria on their way to Galilee. They would go down to the other side of the Jordan, to Jericho, and they would take this other highway that went all the way around, sometimes would add a whole day to their journey, just so they could avoid Samaria. There was no reason that Jesus had to go through Samaria. No other Jew went through Samaria. Yet John writes, he had to go through Samaria. This models Jesus's intentionality in his behavior to be on mission. Because if he had done what was comfortable, what was part of his normal routine... He would have gone all the way around like he did other times, like everyone else did, like he had probably done going back and forth to Jerusalem, to the temple as a boy with his parents. They would have gone all the way around and not gone through Samaria. He knew the other way to go. It's not like he forgot all of a sudden. But here he is, and it says he had to go through Samaria. Now, the question that arises from this for me is, is my behavior that intentional when it comes to being on mission with Jesus? Am I, do I have to go to that place or do I have to sit out front so I can see my neighbors easier or do I have to engage in that conversation with that person in the cubicle next to me? I really don't. But something just like Jesus changes in our behavior when we're intentional on mission. And and it leads us to ask the question, is our behavior intentionally missional? Think about your behavior recently. Think about your behavior in general. The, The question I always love to ask people is, what does your bank account look like and what does your calendar look like? does it look or reflect this statement of having to go through Samaria? Does it look like there's some level of intentional disruption of what is convenient for you in order to be around people who need to meet Jesus? Now, I've already lost some of you there. That's okay. That's, that's a lot. But it's a, it's a question that I have to challenge myself with all the time. And I've got to reflect regularly for myself on, am I intentional with my behavior to be on mission? To making sure I'm present with people who do not know Jesus. Because as I said before, God's put them and put you here for the purpose of them knowing him and meeting him. But if I'm not intentional, I'm just going to kind of keep going. So just reflect for a minute. On a scale of one to ten, how missional were you this last week? Just think about your week for a minute. This is not a judgment thing or a shame thing or some of you doing it better than others. Just, just to reflect for a second. Where are you currently at? Just take stock. It's good to be self-aware. One being very uh, little uh, intentional behavior with mission. Ten being my my behavior was incredibly intentional, and here's the the things I actually did towards that. So that's one, how missional were you? Another question on a scale of one to 10, you can ask how aware were you of what Jesus was doing through you and around you throughout your week? Did you know you had permission to do that outside of a church space or a, a life group space to actually be in your workplace and say, what's God doing right now? Am I aware of the opportunities that are present with me? Is there an opportunity to be intentional with my behavior to be on mission? How aware are you? Here's another question, not on a scale of 1 to 10, but just to to reflect personally, to, to get a sense of where your behavior is at missionally. How many people did you spend quality time with in the last week that do not follow Jesus? Quality time, deep conversation, hearing their story, listening. Maybe you know them really well. You spent, celebrated uh, something in their life. You invited them into a celebration in your life. How intentional were you? How, how, how much time, how many people did you spend quality time with? So just some some good self-awareness, reflective questions. Because my guess would be, if you're anything like me, that it might be one, maybe two If you're like really going at it, and I think for most of us, it's usually zero, maybe between one and zero. Maybe, maybe some of you are way better at this than me, Uh, but that's where I find myself a lot or quite often. Now I'll have touches with other people or talk to other people, but it's like a quick kind of like, I need my coffee and I have to go. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about more than just a, Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Okay, great. Have a good week. Like, yes, that's not quality. You see what I'm saying? Uh, So just thinking about that, what, what does it look like to make our behavior like Jesus, where we have to go through Samaria? We have to go to that place where we see that person all the time so we can just get to know them. We can hear their story. We have to go out of our way to just uh, spend more time outside of our house, especially in this beautiful summer that we have here in West Milford, so that I can see people from my neighborhood and, and, and have conversations and hear their story. I have to, how many of you are excited for this? I have to be present at my like lake community, lake clubhouse. Amen? Come on. That's, that's a good thing. It's, it's fun too. This doesn't have to be boring to be on mission, but I've got to be there so I can be intentionally present with my neighbors in that space? What are are the spaces for you where you can have intentional behavior? Or even like, maybe it's a place like Samaria. Maybe it's a place that you just Keep having come to mind, there's a pull on your heart and you keep ignoring it as like, that's kind of crazy. That's not That's not realistic at all. But what if that's God saying, I want you to be really intentional to go into this space that no one else is going to because no one else cares about this space. And what if you were intentionally on mission there? What could your behavior look like to be intentionally on mission? Just a few practical things to help you live with intentional behavior on mission. First and foremost, this is undergirds everything we do, is prayer. Now, what does prayer have to do with intentional behavior and being on mission? When you begin to pray regularly, to ask Jesus to give you eyes to see where he's moving, you start to behave differently. When you start to ask God to do it, you start to see it around you. And then it's scary, because now you're like, now I have to actually do something about this. I'm like, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. Uh, But the other thing that's really powerful, some of you went through the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course this year. One of the things we talked about is prayer, not just about talking with God, but just being with God, slowing down to be present with Jesus. And here's one of the beautiful uh, things that happens as a byproduct of being present with Jesus. You learn how to slow down to be present with other people around you. And you can pay attention a whole lot easier to those little invitations they're making in their story where, where they're longing for something more that you would not notice if you were just kind of going through the motions or talking with them on a surface level. You know what I'm talking about? But when you slow down enough to be that present and self-aware, you begin to see these needs more clearly and read between the lines of what someone else needs. That You might not make an action at that moment. There might not be something to say, but it gives you an opportunity to pray really specifically for them because you've been attentive. So prayer is a huge practical step. In, in being, changing your behavior to have this intentional behavior of you have to go through Samaria. You have to put yourself in a different space. The other thing that practically moves you into a place of mission is your participation not just your participation in church, but your participation in in what's happening in the community. Let your time, your calendar, as we mentioned before, let your finances, your your bank account, let those things reflect the fact that you were trying to be present in the community. And this will lead to a a third practical thing in just a minute. Finally, just like we talked about last week as far as resisting consumerism uh, with community, uh, the, the early church in Acts didn't just give money when they, saw a need or someone's need and that was mission they learned how to give themselves and and so to be on mission how do we have participation not just with our time and our money just but by giving our very selves to be present with people and and this leads to, to a third practical thing we can do to have intentional behavior super practical if you are not a regular somewhere in the community in where, whether it's West Milford, you live in Ringwood, you live in Warwick, wh- whatever community you're coming from, if you don't have a place in that your neighborhood, in that local community, if you don't have a place that you regularly go to and are present at with other non-believers, start becoming a regular someplace. Have that coffee shop that you always go to to be present with other people. Have that restaurant that you always go to to be present with other people. Have that park that you always go to at the same time to be present with other people. Bring, Man, there's so many openings for conversations with parents at parks. If you've got little kids and you're like, I can't do this, I've got little kids, just go to the park. Where are the places and spaces for every season and, and, and place in life that all of us are in? Uh, where are the places and spaces you can go to be a regular so you can learn to be present with people who are not yet following Jesus. So that's, that's the first one. We have to intentionally change our behavior just like Jesus did. Second, uh, we have to learn how to intentional, have intentional relationships. This goes a step further than, than just being intentional about our behavior of showing up. Um, sometimes we could show up and be there, but we're not really there. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It can be really hard to be intentional about our relationships. And here's where Jesus goes a step further than just showing up at the well. He goes at a time of day when when you don't go there to get water to drink. You go in the morning or in the evening because it's really hot in the middle of the day. He's there in the middle of the day and the person who's coming in the middle of the day would rather not deal with other people. There's a story there. There's something going on and they're just like, I I can't deal with the ridicule anymore. I can't deal with the this or the that. I just need to go when I'm not gonna be bothered. And Jesus shows up at that time and a woman shows up at the well to start drawing water. Now here's a single Jewish rabbi. I just want you to understand the optics of what's happening here. And this woman shows up by herself at the well. His disciples have gone to get food. Uh, if you are Jesus, the rabbi in this situation, it's probably a position that you, mm, I'm not sure i should you should be putting yourself in that situation, Jesus. And his disciples, even culturally speaking, are like, what, what are you doing talking to this woman, Jesus? They're not saying, they're like, we're, we're a little bit concerned about what's happening here. The optics don't look good. There might be for that reason or other reasons. You might be concerned about a conversation in a public space. But, but there's something really profound about what Jesus is doing here. He's going to be intentional about treating this woman like a human being. When probably a lot of other people wouldn't have done that. That's the first step to any relationship. You have to see the other person as fully human. Otherwise, they're an object to be used. And he says to her, would you give me a drink? Jesus, the one who created water. Hey, could could you help me? Often, I think a lot of times when we're beginning to learn how to be missional, um, we need to put ourselves in a really humble place to maybe say, hey, Tell me about what you know. I'm not going to come here with answers for you. Tell me what's going on in your life. How are you? How do you see things? How do you see this situation in our workplace? How is it affecting you? And and, and what we do in that space is we begin to develop a relationship that's really honoring the other person and sees them as human. Are you all following me? So, So here's how we do this very practically. Practical steps here. Um, Okay, you're in that space where you're a regular now, you've changed some of those behaviors, and now make space for conversation. Make space for conversation. And and that's one of the hardest things. This is why prayer is so important and that slowing down, being present with Jesus thing. Because so often our our prayers, our our conversations with people are are on the clock. we got to move. And there's a sense that maybe you or the other person is, is hurried. Right? Make space so that when you enter that, hey, what do you think about this? How is this going with you? How do you see it? What's happening in your life? That you have 10 minutes to sit there. Make that space. It be intentionable, intentional, intentional, That's not a word. Intentional about making that space. And then that leads to the second thing. When you make space for conversation, uh, you can engage in what I call embodied listening. What is embodied listening? One, you have to be present and paying attention to the other person, not just as they're talking, going, look at me, I'm being missional. I'm talking to this person. This is so great. I think it's going well, and you just like totally missed everything the person said. Anyone ever do that? Just like in general in life. I do that sometimes. That's hard. That's hard. But we're so often not really present enough to have embodied listening with our conversations, right? So that prayer can help slow us down and teach us how to be present enough to do this. And then the other thing is is when you begin to do embodied listening, here's what you're doing. You are putting yourself in in the seat of Jesus at the well with this woman. And you might be the only expression of of what Jesus looks like that this person might meet. And, and so what how are you going to embody who Jesus is as you listen in that conversation? What might that look like? Can you show empathy to them? Can, can, you, can you listen between the lines and hear where are maybe the needs that they're are saying or not really quite saying, but you can tell are there. They might not even know it's a need they're sharing and you're like, whoa, like you need help with that. I'm concerned for you. Are you okay? And they may go, wow, I, no, one's, no one's ever told me that's a problem. I've wondered if it was. So So much of how we develop intentional relationships well it is through this embodied listening of just being present with someone and, and being willing to be with them. And it gives you space to be able to go back and, and pray for them. Um, practical steps. So we, we said making space for conversation, have this embodied listening where you slow down, you pay attention to what they're saying, even just responding back, not with a solution or an answer, but maybe if you need clarification, you can simply just say, am I hearing this right? Here's how I'm hearing what you're saying. Sometimes just being that sounding board for people is really helpful. But then here's the other thing that you can do that's really exciting is is when you hear this person's story, no matter what they tell you, you could could listen like it's totally normal. Even what they're saying sounds crazy. Even if what they're saying sounds crazy. Uh, You can be the non-anxious presence that they might be desperate for that they don't get in their home. Maybe they don't have it in their other relationships. They're not getting it in their workplace, wherever it is. What is it? Can you be a non-anxious presence? Because if Jesus isn't nervous, we shouldn't be nervous either. And then you're saying, well, I am nervous. All right. Then you need to deal with that with, with Jesus. That's, that's one of your discipleship things to work through. But as you're working through that, that's a that's an awesome thing to be able to be for someone else. And they go, wow, why are you always so calm when we talk about this? And you can be like, I wasn't always this calm. Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. People are looking for that kind of thing. They want to see real transformational change. That's what leads to witness. Now notice, I have not once said, this is how you share how Jesus died on the cross for your sins. People are not moved in our day and age. I'm not saying this is a right or wrong, just the reality. In in the culture we live in, people are not moved by having proper doctrine or theology or you saying, hey, you need to believe this. People are moved by people who have been deeply changed and transformed by Jesus. Did you hear what I said? It's really important. People are not going to be moved by you having answers or or quick, I'll say quick Sunday school answers to the problems of this or you need Jesus or this or that. They're going to be moved by simply observing how different you are. Your ability to embody, do embodied listening. Your ability to be a non-anxious presence, to take a genuine interest in their life. Your ability to love well in other words, is what draws people in our day and age to Jesus. Did you hear me? I could literally say that a thousand times this morning, and I would not have said it enough with how important that is. It is so important that these be intentional relationships. And I'll just reiterate that these relationships are intentional relationships that you foster, whether or not they ever decide to follow Jesus and whether or not they ever decide to set foot inside your church. Because if you're only doing it to chase, I got someone into the kingdom, you didn't really love them well in the first place. So if you can learn how to love well, but bring the presence of Jesus through your transformed life into every one of those conversations, you will be doing that intentional relationship thing really well. Final final intentional thing we need to do here is the intentional invitation. I alluded to this a little bit. We have intentional behavior. We have intentional relationships. And now the intentional invitation. Jesus follows up with this conversation with this woman and says, You know, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. See, they're starting to have a conversation about some deeper things, some life things. You're drawing water. I, excuse me, I have water. There's there's a different, they're having almost two different conversations, and they start to meet in the conversation. And, And it's so interesting because this woman's really hungry for something different, something more. But you notice the conversation doesn't start there. It goes a little while. It goes a little while. And then eventually, there's a real need that Jesus has pinpointed with her where he can say, hey, you know, I know some water that's way better than than the water you've been drinking. And he's talking about the water from the well, but he's kind of like, talking about more than the water from the well. You know what I'm saying? Like that thing of like, I know the water of, of life that you've been drinking from. I know what the water of your life has been like. And listen, let me tell you, there's I got something way better for you. Maybe that looks a little bit different in, in our cultural context. Like there might be a good conversation where, where you, you get into like some deep stuff with maybe a neighbor or something, and then you go, do you want something that's coming to mind that might be helpful to you? Maybe that's a a, a safe way to approach it. Or is there anything I can do to be helpful to you as you're going through this? People need helpful in their life. People need helpful. People need real friends that want to offer them real invitations into something that will actually help them. And so you've been there, you've been... Behave, cha- changing your behavior to be very present. You, you've done this intentional relationship thing with folks. And now your goal isn't to simply just say, come to church. Your goal is to learn how to be helpful to your friends. So that can look like a couple of things. One, it could be an invitation Two, hey, do you want to come to my church? Maybe there's a specific sermon series you're in. And I'm like, I think this could be helpful. Share with them, like, maybe a previous message or talk or something like that. Now, that might be helpful, but most of the time they're going to like what you have to say and share out of your life way more than they're going to be interested in anything I have to say. They're going to be really interested in you and your life. But maybe there's an invitation there if they're really like, man, I'm lonely. I need community. Maybe there's an invitation to invite them to your life group. Maybe there is a Sunday that you think is appropriate to invite them into or or, or another event like that. Maybe there's an opportunity to invite them to these parties that we're going to talk about in just a minute. There's space to invite people into with all sorts of needs and, and, and things like that. Maybe there's just an invitation to, would it be okay if I prayed for you right now? Begin to see what those invites could be. Did you know uh, the statistic that has been kind of out there for a while, but uh, 85% of people who visit a church came because someone invited them to come, a friend or a family member. That means that most of the people who could potentially come and find hope, find transformation in a community like this, most of the people who who potentially could come in, are going to come in because someone invited them. Because someone said, would this be helpful to you? Here, I'll go with you. We'll meet there. There's fantastic coffee. You should check it out. Come with me. So the invite, really practical. But then the second thing I want to mention, really practical in terms of invitation here, is simply to embody the kind of community we are trying to be. As believers, as I've said before, I think one of the biggest things that people need is a non-anxious presence and people to belong to. In our world right now, we are so increasingly independent. We talked last week about the statistics are mind-blowing about how many people feel lonely, and people are just longing for uh, people to belong to, with no agenda, or trying to get something out of them. And if we can embody that kind of community to people who are just looking for something, they're hungry, they're desperate, they're lonely, you're going to have done so much good for them just by providing a good space, a safe space, a non-anxious space, a space that wants to listen well. It can be the most refreshing thing you do. It cuts through All of the uh, appeals in our day for ideology and rationale, uh, we're, we're not interested in any of that. We just need to connect with people at their heart level and show them that they belong. I love this in 1 Corinthians 2, 3 to 5. Paul says, I came to you not with wise and persuasive words. You can read that, the theology, the rationale, the, the best persuasive argument. I came to you not with wise and persuasive words, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That demonstration of the Spirit's power could be healing. It could be any of those things that we've just talked about in our previous series about spiritual authority. But it could also be a demonstration of the Spirit's power just bringing people together in Jesus-shaped community. A demonstration of the Spirit's power could just be them seeing your changed life because you're a non-anxious presence to them. And them being just amazed at like, how do I get that too? So behavior, we've got to be intentional with our behavior, intentional with our relationships, intentional with our invitation. That is what is going to move us towards being intentionally on mission. So I just want to ask a question to you as we, as we wrap up here. Um, do you feel like you need some boldness for this one? to be intentional in this way i i don't know when i was reflecting on this this morning i was like this kind of takes a, some guts does it take some guts you can you can you're all like staring at me like do you, talk to me do i need to like sit down here will that help you talk to me more does this make it better is this is this gonna does this take some guts depends on the situation. Yep, that's fair. Is this disruptive for anyone? Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's really, it's disruptive for me too. Can you guys see any other way that people are going to know Jesus? I mean, if you have another way, you you know, you're like some, I, I think I heard a yes in there like, yeah. Sure, Jesus really doesn't need any of us. In the Middle East right now, he's showing up to so many Islamic believers through dreams and visions. It's it's really crazy. I, I met a few years back someone in the in the Middle East um, who a couple people who were radically just crazy that Jesus kept showing up to them in dreams. It was amazing. They had no Christian connection whatsoever, uh, and and had to find churches because Jesus kept showing up to them and telling them they needed to go find a uh, a church community. Now, Jesus does that all the time. He, he doesn't need any of us to build his church. But here's the thing. He loves when we partner with him. It's like that thing, just like, you know, if, if you got kids, like, it's great when your dad wants you to come along and help. It's great when your mom's like, come on, let's go. That's what being on mission with God is. We don't have to be afraid of, is the assignment too big? Is there too much? Are we biting off more than we can chew? It just might be one person for you. But what might God want to do in you and through you as we change our intentionality about mission? Maybe for you, you're like, yeah, this sounds great, but I'm I'm a little apathetic, if I'm honest. Sometimes my favorite prayer to pray is, God, I really don't want to do this. Can you help me want to do this? Help me want to want to do this. What is it for you? You want to invite the worship team up? We're going to just crash land this this morning here. I want us to just take a minute to pray because I, I think there's an invitation for us to be bold, to accept some disruption in our lives and our days, to consider how Jesus maybe needs to do some more transformative work in us so that we can be available in a different way to the people around us. So however the Holy Spirit is inviting you, however Jesus is speaking to you this morning, uh, we're just gonna take just a minute to listen before we take communion. Let me just pray for you, and then we're just going to take a moment to listen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.